You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, let's focus on the quarterback battle. Any team in the realm of football today, you win or die by your quarterback position. And sometimes you're very lucky and you get that role situated, but other times you really are going to have to figure it out. And for Texas A&M, this is the first time in the Jimbo Fisher era that he has to actually look at a quarterback battle and take it on for what it is. So we're going to be discussing all three options and who is the best, depending on what we see going into the season. But before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Name right down there below for those of you watching on WFAA. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout-out. I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. See that little logo, Locked on Aggies podcast? Give us a follow at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12 man related content found here on LLP. You can subscribe on iTunes. Listen on Spotify. If you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So I would be remiss if I did not bring this up because of it is kind of a big deal. The NFL draft situation is always going to be at an all-time high. That's just kind of how it is because of it's a dead season. We're not in free agency. We're not in spring ball. And we don't really know what to discuss. So mock drafts and all those conversations are always going to be kind of big. But when that happens you have over and under reactions. So in a recent mock draft, I believe it was by either, it was Chad Reuter, I want to say, was the guy who did the draft. I I think it was him. But uh, anyways, came out with a brand new mock draft and he listed where A&M, and more specifically, players would be going. And Texas A&M's Kellen Bond went in the fourth round to the Minnesota Vikings, which I actually very much like that fit. I think that Minnesota would be a really good spot because of the Kirk Cousins situation. Do they want to move off him? Do they want to keep him? Seems like he's going to be the guy for another year, but then his contract goes up to $35 million in dead cap hit. Next season, that's a lot of money for a guy who's you know pretty much the definition of average. But what people started talking about was how you look at other names who went before Kellen Mond. And everyone thinks that Kellen Mond is the top prospect in this year's draft class. But Dan Moore, the offensive tackle, and Bobby Brown went in the top 105 picks. Bobby Brown was listed to go to Tennessee with the number 100 selection, and Dan Moore went to the Los Angeles Rams with the 104th selection. Now, both these picks also make a lot of sense when you break it down because of with Moore, respectively, he's a left tackle who needs time to develop at an NFL-style left tackle, and Andrew Whitworth, one of the most stalemate revolving doors of blocks that you can see at the position, is the left tackle out in Los Angeles. He wants to come back for one more year. More needs a year. So it's a good fit because if he'll learn under Whitworth and what Whitworth can teach him about pass protection sets, about footwork, about arm length, about you know, press all these little details that are needed to be a successful left tackle. More needs to learn a year. 
And Whitworth is one of the finest when it comes to that position. With the flip side, with a guy like Brown, Brown would definitely, I think, be more in a starting role early on. And here's why. Because if the team is going to have to decide what they're going to do with Jeffrey Simmons, are they going to keep him as a nose tackle? Are they going to you know, keep him as a five technique? I think he's better as a five. Last season, they traded away. I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, 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 something Hayward. And they trade him to Denver. They had Daquan Jones take his spot. Is Brown a defensive tackle? Is in a nose tackle? Because of the Tennessee Mike Vrabel system, they're on a 3-4. Or is he going to do what Justin Matabike did? They move him out to a five technique. With two five techniques, it's a little harder because I think that you look at what is there for Tennessee. They have the position pretty well, but a nose tackle, Brown would fit. And Brown needs to gain a little bit more weight, be a little bit more quicker, but he's played only in a one-gap system in, under Mike Elko, so I think it'd be a different transitional fit. But the main point of this conversation isn't about Brown or about more. It's about Mott, why people are overreacting about Mott. It's a mock draft. I mean, that's legitimately where I look at it. And ever since Dak Prescott landed with the Dallas Cowboys in the fourth round, he was like 107th pick. Prescott has been in a situation that allows him to be successful. And you look at all these other quarterbacks that are in the NFL right now, where they land on a team that needs a quarterback, but it's not the right system for them. And when it's not the right system for them, they struggle. And the biggest thing of all is that they only get about a year to figure it out or they're done. Josh Rosen is the perfect example. Top 10 pick works with, you know, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Kime and works with Steve Wilkes and they try to build a roster around him, but the offensive line is terrible. He has a lack of weapons. He isn't really building a connection at a high end level that you wanted with the top 10 pick. And because of that, they said, you know what? The NFL is becoming more mobile. We got to go out and get a mobile quarterback with our number one pick. It's nothing personal, Josh. It's just business. And they send them out to Miami. And then they go get Kyler. And Kyler at least brings them to an 8-8 eight eight season. That's the point. Sometimes getting drafted early, the only difference between the two is money. I mean, I hate to be that guy. It's money. But if you're good at your job, which I think Kellen Mond can be, and more importantly, he needs to go to a system that will allow him to sit for a year and learn this system. I think that that's an even better spot that he can be in for his career moving forward. But I look at all this, and I'm, I'm just considering what is going on with these mock drafts. Why are people overreacting? Because of Kalamon is the guy. He's the it guy for AM this year. I think Buddy Johnson's a great player. He's not going to be getting any traction. I think, personally, I love Bobby Brown. He's probably number two on the team. That's just it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but if Mond is the guy, sometimes the guy has to land at the place to be successful. To me, that's, right now, Minnesota's one of those teams that I actually very much like for a Kellen Mond situation. So I personally do not care that he's lower on draft boards. As long as he goes to the right system, he'll be in the NFL. He'll be a starter. I'm not sure I like Bobby Brown going to Tennessee. I very much like Justin Matabike going to Baltimore. It took me a while, though, to get there. 
I thought, okay, he's only playing a one-gap system. How is he going to fare as a 3-4 technique as a 5-10? And he did a pretty good job as a rookie. He's definitely going to be in contention for starting role full-time next year with the Ravens. Maybe I'll like it for Brown. I don't today. I like Mond going 112th or wherever he, he's going to go on Chad Ruder's mock draft a lot better than I like Brown. Fit matters as much as draft location. And yeah, Mond is one of those players who definitely has that draft location kind of radar style, especially with Chris Sims' comments last week about how he's QB4. I just think that when you look at the situation that he's in, go to a team that best fits you, and money will come later. Backup quarterbacks can make up to like $8 million in the NFL. And they sign like one-year deals, naturally, but they continue to build up that, that money. And that's exactly what I would do if I was Calamon. I'd be okay going in the fourth round, having four years on my contract, potentially being a high-end backup or a low-end starter, and then getting that money on my second contract if I go to the right team. Minnesota is a right team. There's a lot of teams out there that aren't right fits for Kellen Mond. I do think that that's one. So people are, you know, they're all commenting about how Mond is going in the fourth round and how he's going to Minnesota who doesn't need a quarterback. It's like, yeah, they don't need a quarterback in 2021. Do they need one in 2022? When he sat for a year, he's learned the system a little bit more. He's figured out his footwork. He's built a chemistry with these receivers. He's not being thrown in like a Trevor Lawrence will, or not being thrown in like a Trey Lance will, or Justin Fields. You give him time. And that's why Chris Sims says he's QB4, because if it's not today. It's 10 years from now. He's going to be QB4 on this list. There's one thing that I always love to do, and that's fix my car. I really do. I enjoy going out and actually putting stuff in my car. But the problem is there's some parts that I have to go to the actual store, the car store that I bought my car at the dealership, go get them to look at it, go pay a shipping fee, then go pay a service fee, then go pay an installment fee, when all I really need to do is just pay that shipping fee. Now I can do so with rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been helping customers for the past 20 years. They have a variety of selections of engine modules to taillights to tail lamps, everything you need. All you have to do is go look through their impressive and unique catalog, find the model, find the exact detail, find the year, and look at the price. Plus, their low, low prices will always be the deal to beat. Go visit RockAuto.com and type in Locked On on the How Did You Hear About section so they know that we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. RockAuto.com is the place to be. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast System. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. The NCAA tournament right around the corner. That means that bets are going to be at an all-time high. You want to walk away with some extra money. So go ahead and listen to our brand new show, Locked On Bets, with your boy Q and Paramount Sports' Lee Sterling. The two of them break down all the best lines and their best bets every single day to help you win some extra cash in your pocket tonight. Go visit them at LockedOnPodcast.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast listening systems. All right, so we're going to talk a, little, a lot about quarterbacks. That's what this entire show is about. And Texas A&M has to replace Kellen Mond. It's something that they haven't had to do in the Jimbo Fisher era. 
and it's really something that they haven't had to do even in the Kevin Sumlin era. Sumlin went back and forth and teeter-tottered between Nick Starkle and Kellen Mond. But they could have just gone with Kellen Mond as a freshman, and he would have been the starter for four straight years. He goes down in history as one of the most efficient pocket passers in, uh, in team history. He is one of the top quarterbacks, I would say, in the SEC over the last three years. Maybe not production-wise because of you look at what Tua did, and then you look at what Mac did, and then you look at what JT Daniels is doing, but he consistently was in that conversation. I would say without him, A&M was worse off than they were better off, and that's a big difference because if everyone says, oh, A&M would have been so much better if they stuck another quarterback out there. I, I don't think so. I, I really don't. I think that the problem was is that everyone wanted to see Mond take that next bounding leap and all I did was he took like a little trot, like a little hopscotch, and people got annoyed at that. But that's just my opinion. I think that's where the problem lied with a guy like Mon. But now it's that's not the case. Now it's time to look at the quarterback team moving forward. And Texas A&M will have six weeks to figure out after coming off a 9-1 season and finishing with a victory over North Carolina in the Capital One Orange Bowl, who will be their guy. Now... Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to talk about, and we're going to start with him, is the guy that I believe is right now, without seeing any film, without seeing any practice, without seeing any of the Moon and White game, the best option today. Today, on March 8th, 9th, yeah, March 9th. Today, it's Haynes King. King played in only two games last season due to the uh, lack of non-conference and non-Power 5 games, and it really wasn't a blowout style for AM on either side. But one of them came against Alabama, working with the first-team unit. He actually was playing with a first-team offensive line, and the other came in South Carolina with the second-team unit uh, for much of the fourth quarter. He both times drove the Aggies to the red zone. King showed accuracy. He showed that he could move with his legs. He showed that he was able to work downfield. And more than that, he showed the arm strength. He was the number one ranked pocket passer in the 2020 recruiting cycle. That's a big deal. Because there's going to be coaches out there that do want a dual threat guy. There's going to be coaches out there that want a guy who can maneuver out of pressure but stay behind the line of scrimmage. They're not much of a runner. And there's those guys who literally are prototypical quarterbacks, Mac Jones. I mean, Matt, Mac Jones is the stereotypical, does not have elite skills, but he can get the job done. King is right in that middle tier that can maneuver outside the pocket. And he showed that a lot last year. The other thing that I really like is that he's earned the respect of young players and veterans, according to the coaching staff. He knows the playbook, and he came up early last season. Very similar to another guy on this list that we'll mention soon, but he came up early last year to learn. And even though COVID-19 happened and it really knocked out pretty much any type of learning system, any learning style, it didn't really matter. He was already on campus. He was watching film. He was figuring things out. He was learning under Kellen Mond. He was in the quarterback room consistently. And that's something that I think a lot of things that coaches look for. He is great athletically, but that athleticism is going to be the biggest reason that he gets to start next season in spring ball. Fisher wants his quarterbacks to usually stay inside the pocket. The biggest problem that he had with Kellen Mond in 2019, and the biggest reason 
I think AM struggled with the seven and five record was because Mond liked to give up on plays way sooner than they could. If Jamon Osmond was not open, he gave a quick read to Courtney Davis or Kendrick Rogers, done. Starting to run. That, that he'd be broke. And that's why he was number two on the team in rushing yards. While this year, he was number four on the team, I believe, in rushing yards. Sorry about that. Anyways, that's been up there for a minute. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I, I really am. But a guy like King can do what Mon did in 2020. And that's a big deal. The sack total went down because the offensive line played better, but it also went down and the QB hits went down because Mon was willing to stay behind the line and not give up on a play. So King does that. He's very good pre and post snap. He is very much a guy who goes through his progressions, looks through all three of his options, usually can target one of those two immediately and figure out, is he going to run or is he going to just extend the play, allowing his receivers to get open? He's got a good arm. He's got a great arm. That's the biggest thing. But can that arm and that athleticism meet in the middle? The other guy, a lot of people are going to go, well, why would you go with this guy when you just said no elite skills? If it works, it works. And Mac Jones worked because of this. But I would go Zach Calzada. He's a, uh, I, b- I believe it would be a redshirt freshman because of every year, every player gets a year of eligibility and he was a redshirt freshman last year. But he didn't play at all because of King got the, King moved ahead of him. He only threw 24 times in 2019. He has a good arm, not a great one, but he's got a quick release. So he doesn't take long to go through his progression. You have your three receivers, or three receivers, one's going on a, on a uh, fly pattern, one's going on an in route, and then one is cutting up field on the post. So let's say his number one is the man in the middle, and he's going on the in route. He'll know by looking at that defense in about two seconds if he's going to get to the edge and he's going to be able to find him. If not, his eyes immediately move to the number two, and he gets that ball out immediately. That's what he does. That's where he works. That is his bread and butter. He has confidence. His arm is very good. The biggest problem is he's not as mobile as King. So what I say with that is King can move outside the pocket. King can keep plays alive with his legs, even if he's not a mobile quarterback per se. He has mobility as a quarterback. He's not a mobile quarterback. Calzada struggles with mobility. Moving in the pocket, moving outside the pocket, all that. He has a lot of struggles in that realm. But he does have the arm, and he does have the physical stature to take on bigger hits. It is also a team that potentially is going to rely heavily on the run. It also is a team that has a brand new offensive line. So King, you may not want to play him because if he can get hurt, you may want to play Calzada because if he's tougher, in, in the sense of he's a little bit stockier, so we can take on those bigger hits from those defensive tackles, the offensive line doesn't need to be top-notch, and they're going to rely on three runners in Anaya Smith, Isaiah Spiller, and Devon A. Chain. So all of that allows, I think, AM to consider Calzada as a full-fledged starter. 
100%. BetOnline.ag is a brand new system that lets you make your new bets. And with college basketball at an all-time high, and with the NBA coming back, and the MLB coming back, and with spring football actually being here in the FCS, you have a shot to potentially have a great matchup for yourself and win some money. If you go visit betonline.ag, betonline.ag gives you the best buyouts, the best lines, and the best bets every single day to make sure that you know you're going to walk away with extra cash. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and go visit betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on to save 50% off as a welcome bonus with your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure that you are listening to the Locked On SEC show. I cover everything in Texas A&M. I know the SEC, but Chris Gordy lives in the SEC. Giving you all the breakdown of the SEC tournament coming up this week, plus NFL draft prospects who are set to set break their names in the upcoming NFL draft. Subscribe to Locked On SEC wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Real fast, I hate to bring this up, but you know the Built Bar code of the past. BuiltBar.com is doing, right now, a brand new bracket challenge. That is right. When you go visit BuiltBar.com and go to BuiltBar.com or find them on social media at Built underscore Bar, they have their own tournament bracket challenge to figure out who is the greatest protein bar of all time. On Tuesday's matchup, this week, today, when you vote, you will have banana bread versus toffee almond and orange versus peanut butter. Anybody who knows me, I lost five pounds and gained three pounds of muscle, seven pounds, gained three pounds of muscle back in January when I was eating a protein bar every single day. My go-to protein bar every single time was the old classic, the peanut butter. I have that one moving on without a doubt. And then banana bread and toffee almond. If you like almonds, but like kind of like a coffee flavor, Toffee almond is fantastic. If you like bananas, like that banana, but a lot of nuts, like a lot of walnuts, cashew, all that, banana bread's your choice. I like kind of a roasted almond coffee taste, so I'm going to give it up for toffee almond as my winner to move on. And, of course, peanut butter, which I will have probably winning the whole dang thing. But make sure you go check out BillBar.com as they will announce the winner every single day on their website to tell you who is the greatest protein bar of all time. So I mentioned Haynes King. I mentioned Zach Calzada. I got one more name that we got to break down, and that is Eli Stowers. Stowers is the new kid. Stowers is the young gun. He basically was unfortunately unable to play in the state title game in 2019 after finishing with 36 touchdowns and four interceptions during his junior season, and he added another 11 rushing touchdowns during that year as well. Unfortunately, he saw his numbers kind of diminish this year when he threw for 18 yards, 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, but this was due to a coaching change as well. There's a lot to like about Stowers. There's also a lot that you can wonder about Stowers. And the biggest thing is that his arm and footwork are great when they're not working together. When you're asking him to throw on the run, he's erratic. He can't, he can't always hit his open target. There's going to be misses. There's not going to be perfection on the play. When you ask him to stand still and throw a ball, beautiful spiral. If you ask him to run, 
great speed. The, the speed this kid has is similar to Kyler Murray. He can make so many defenders miss in the open field. And he's great at keeping defenders in front of him. He's smart. He doesn't keep, let his eyes wander, per se. He, he, he stays in the moment. He can see where the, where the hit's coming. So he's a linebacker. His eyes are not at that linebacker. His eyes are at the safety behind him. But he has one eye on the linebacker to make sure I need to make to hit the corner so much faster. So that way I do not get tackled here. But his eyes are really focused in on that safety to make him miss at the next line. I am here to make him miss so I can land an extra yard. I think that he is very good in the run game. I think that there's a role for him early on. I think that the biggest thing is that he's coming from a system that allowed him to use his legs a little bit more, and that's not what I would say they're really going to go with this year at least. I think Fisher wants a more pocket-passing guy, but there are going to be, I think, plays in place that will allow Stauer to do what he wants to do. I doubt Fisher names a starter by the end of spring camp. It just doesn't make sense. Because of a player like Calzada could kill it in spring camp. And then he struggles, 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 and then it's like, okay, well, hold up. Let's just figure out what we're going to do when you play. And then he stinks it up on the field. And he has immense trouble finding a rhythm and consistency for where he will play in that very first game of the season. So then you have to go to King, which then King starts the rest of the year. I think that of the two, that's where I would say he could land. I think it's between King and Calzada. That is what would be the ideal situation if I was King or Calzada. I would say those are the two that definitely are in the main running. I think after that, you're going to look at a very similar situation to what happened with Nick Starkle and Kellen Mott. These two are actually going to play most of those first three games. And I think after that, you find out who's the starter. Whichever one plays the best and consistently the best. Because there's going to be drives where I think Calzada will come out and he'll throw uh, two plays, 30 yards, and an interception. And it goes back for maybe 25 yards. And then there'll be plays where, you know, King has two straight 30-plus yard passes and he can't get in the end zone. But Calzada then on the next drive consistently is moving the ball, eating the clock, keeping the defense out there, letting his defense stay refreshed, and they score. Well, consistently, it would be Calzada because Calzada was doing more. But that X factor of King's arm made it look like King had better numbers. There's a lot that goes into that. So I view this as Let's look in three games. AM does not have a non-conference game. I mean, does not have a conference game until week four in Arlington against Arkansas. And the biggest thing of all with that one is that's always a crapshoot. I mean, legitimately, it, it always is a struggle. That game always ends with a plus seven point differential or less. Nobody gets more than a touchdown to win that game. And I expect that to kind of be the case again in Arlington this year, if it is going to be played in Arlington and not in Fayetteville or College Station. But on top of all that, I expect both to play. That would be the game I would circle on my calendar. 
who's going to be the starter for the remainder of the season after week four. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to talk about just yet. I think that there's going to be a few things that are going to break in the next couple of days, potentially looking at the free agency of the NFL, former Aggie players, where they could land. Or we could also be talking about some upcoming NFL draft subject with these players and where are their best fits. But we'll talk all that on Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, y'all. this has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.